Bumgarner was furious, and we're wondering why. Gary Hoffman. Bumgarner kept saying, hollering, I guess, at Puig, don't look at me. Shannon Farron. Don't look at me. Puig is saying something to the effect, what are you going to do to me? Gary. What you do to me? Shannon. Okay. Gary and Shannon. How can a day go wrong when you started off oh with Vin? I, I miss him so much. Big stories we're following. Democrats hit the debate stage again tonight. We're learning more about that shooter in Gilroy. And California seems to be unilaterally going after Trump's tax returns. <laughs> Such a joke. <laughs> That's the biggest who cares story. Because I guarantee you Donald Trump doesn't care. He's willing to take this fight to court, and I kind of think They're he's going to win this. Yeah, but. he's going to win. The Cal, Gavin and uh, his buddies are going to lose. At least it looks like that when you, I don't know, look at the Constitution and what that outlines well, in terms of... let's not get too in-depth here when it comes to the Constitution. Let's, what is that, a paper? <laughs> uh, wow, okay, so night one of the uh, Democratic debates, round two, and um, uh, the the most... Interesting thing to me from the 10,000 foot elevation is that there are people who are pumping the brakes on socialism. There are some members of the Democratic Party who are saying, now, hold on a second. How in the world are you going to pay for fairy tale land? For me, it was all about Democrats. Who are we? It was like a soul searching mission for the an hour and a half that I that I put into that last night. Who are we? Who do we want to be going forward? And didn't Beto O'Rourke come across as the the popular kid who never does the studying and shows up for the test and just expects to wing it and do okay? Which is surprising considering how poorly he did in the first debate. Right. I was expecting more from him in this one. I thought he was going to prepare. It didn't look like it. He looked caught off guard the entire night. Uh, Marianne Williamson came out and was talking about, um, I don't even know what she was talking about, but at one point sounded like she was yodeling. Williamson, how do you respond to the criticism from Senator Warren that you're not willing to fight for Medicare for all? (laughs) I I don't know. Senator Warren said that about me specifically. I admire very much what Senator Warren has said and what Bernie has said. But I have to say, I have. A, I'm normally way over there with Bernie and Elizabeth. Yeah. On this one. <laughs> oh, she she sounds like she's trying to do the Gavin Newsom, Bill Clinton thing a little bit there. Uh, she had a big moment when she talked about reparations. For descendants of slaves. That, I think, got the biggest applause line of the night. I think that got second. The, that came in second. I think Elizabeth Warren's uh, let's let's grow a set line. Oh, well, we'll play that one for in a, in a second. But yeah. the reparation thing. Now, Marianne Williamson referred to a 200 to $500 billion payment of debt that is owed stemming from the failure to provide the 40 acres and a mule to the slaves that were freed to protect their rights over the next century. And she had, she said she had math to back it up, but it was just a quick glimpse into it. And I, I don't know enough about what her plan is or what it would be. There were others that talked about like Jim Clyburn's 10, 20, 30 plan and uh, other versions of reparations, which not everybody on that stage agreed with. Did you see the stat that like 73% of African-Americans polled, and I don't know which poll it was, were in support of that? Uh, listen, it... Uh, I I guess it was a I, CNN. When I saw this yesterday, I realized I need to know more about what the policies would be for for reparations for slavery. I know right offhand, you have to ask a lot of questions like how do you prove that you were a descendant of slaves? 
that, and that's, I mean, that right off its face is one of the big issues that they'd have to figure out when it comes to reparations. Um, there were other issues they talked about, student debt and free college. And again, you had Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders talking about free four-year college for all and student debt forgiveness. And people saying, how in the world are you going to pay for this? People like John Delaney and Steve Bullock down on the you know far end of the uh, of the stage were using words like magic economy and impossible um, impossible economics when it comes to how you're going to pay for this sort of thing. Amy Klobuchar had an interesting point. If you if you stop if you forgive all student debt that's on the books right now, what does that mean for? Or and make it free. What does that mean for the wealthy people that are going to college and right. not having them pay for it? And 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 there was a discussion of it being an economic stimulus package. It's one thing to have like more financial aid for colleges and universities. It's mm-hmm. another thing to just make it completely free. Because then how how do you, again with so many of these policy points, how are you going to pay for that? And Amy Klobuchar seemed to be the adult in the room when it came to opening up the fiscal books and saying these are pie in the sky ideas. Uh, climate change stuff, of course, came up. There were discussions about um, the Green New Deal. And John Delaney, once again, appeared to make some sense and go, listen, the Green New Deal is a weird fantasy land thing that does not have anything to do. Uh, yes, there are economic or sorry, there are environmental policies in there to make the United States carbon neutral or electricity neutral or whatever terms they want to use. But it's also tied to like free government jobs and and um uh, universal basic income and things like that. That should not be involved in the discussion about keeping our climate safe. Uh, but but like you said, the one of the biggest lines of the night was when someone like John Delaney would come out and say, "We can't we can't afford to do Medicare for all. We can't take people's health insurance away. We've got to have we've got to you know use what we have and build on to the good parts of it." And Elizabeth Warren came out. You know, I don't understand why anybody goes to all the trouble of running for president of the United States just to talk about what we really can't do and shouldn't fight for. Do you know why? I, I, because because if she continues down that road of $2 trillion for this and $6 trillion for that, she's going to get her pants handed to her. I think what she needs to zero in on, and I thought she had a great night. I really did. I thought that she seemed like she reminded me of my great aunt who always acted like she was the smartest person in the room. And she and she was. She Elizabeth Warren was the most prepared. She's, she's the most... Um, uh, itemized when it comes to her different policy ideas. She can go line by line about she what that would look for. She has a plan for everything. Right, absolutely. Um, but I think what she should zero in on going forward, and uh, uh, clearly my opinion is so valuable in, in a campaign, but uh, I think that what really resonates with the Democratic Party across across the, across the entire party is the going after corporations and separating politics from the corporations, separating the special interests from Washington. I think that's something that resonates among all Democrats, young and old. Now, I agree with that. But the way that they were painting corporations last night, there was not one positive thing said about corporations, not one. If you go about your daily life and say you're going to cut out all the influence that corporations have had in your life, you're not going to you're not going to exist. You're going to be incapable of doing anything. And they didn't they didn't say something like there are bad actors in corporations around us that steal money, that don't pay taxes, that sort of thing. But there are things like just looking around this this computer, this microphone, this and that and this in the company that we work for, they're corporations, so they can't all 
be painted with this broad brush of evility. That's no, a, no, that's and, a good and that's word. evilness. And, and that's a, that's her thing. Is she loves free markets? She loves capitalism, but she also hates the fact that it's tainted to the to the point that it has tainted Washington. Right. The, you the, know, the, so the, I think you can have both. I, can, I think you can hold up corporations in this country as great things, and I think you can also and discourage that money from influencing politics, at least to the degree that it that it has. That it has gotten to in 2019. Oh. You're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he's hard to take. I'm sorry. He, <laughs> is, he is hard to take. I loved it when John was it uh, was Hickenlooper. It was like, go ahead, Bernie, throw up your arms, and he's like, no, I'll throw them up anytime I want. It's a it's a frustrating thing. Too many people on stage. Not enough time to speak. Right. Um, well, the time Nazis were just out of control. Well, the, the, because the moderators a, came across as more school marmish than Elizabeth Warren. The punishments. Did you hear about the punishments? They were going to they were going to have time taken away yeah. if they interrupted. Good Lord. Which was it's probably going to be more at play tonight than it, it was at all last night. Um, tonight, of course, we have the big stage, uh, the same people. Uh, sorry, the same stage, different people on stage, the lineup so you can keep score on your cocktail napkin. From left to right, Bennett, Gillibrand, Castro, Booker, Biden, Harris, Yang, Gabbard, Inslee, and de Blasio. All right. When we uh, get into Swamp Watch at 1230, we'll talk more about what's coming up in tonight's version of the debate. We are learning more about that shooter up there in Gilroy. Came from a very prominent local family. We'll tell you more when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Wednesday, July 31st. We were talking, that's why I didn't hear the, the thing. That's all. Inside baseball. Speaking of baseball, Blake is our official trade deadline correspondent. A couple of non, you know, not exciting things that happened earlier today. Uh, Rays and Brewers had a deal, but uh, we have a few hours left in the trade deadline. See if the Dodgers do anything. Or the Angels. See if they do anything to make uh, make their team better or worse going into the rest of the season. Some big stories we are following. The president is weighing in on the latest Democratic debate, saying that his rivals will lead the country into an economic sinkhole. Did he also call Don Lemon the dumbest person in America? We've got trade talks between the United States and China that are expected to resume, they're saying, in Washington in early September now. Uh, next hour, Andrew Mullenbeck is going to join us. We're going to talk about the L.A. City Council approving the uh, the reinstatement of rules where people can live in their cars and vans and RVs. That's coming up at uh, the bottom of next hour. And, of course, the latest from Gilroy and the Garlic Festival where that 19-year-old opened fire there. We're learning more about him. They've identified him as Santino Legan. He is a member of a prominent local ag family up there. He uh, went to high school up in that area, and then after high school, it seems like he spent a couple months in uh, Walker Lake, Nevada, very rural place in Nevada. His family does have roots in the area. His grandfather was a local official. Uh, He was on the Santa uh, Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors in the 80s, and oddly, 
During his second term, he was tried and acquitted of molesting his oldest daughter. Now, I was thinking about that, and originally I thought, well, yeah, that'll screw a kid up. But he's only 19 years old. That would have been 20 years before he was even born. Right. So that would have very little impact, I think. Or it wouldn't have as major an impact if he were alive during all of that. Um, there was, a, a, I guess, a Christian school that he went to, local Christian school, Monte Vista Christian School. They expressed their deep condolences. Uh, they said that he attended the school from fall of 2013 until spring of 2016, basically freshman through junior years of high school, and then transferred to the public school to Gilroy High School for uh, for his senior year. And like you said, then went out to Walker Lake. We have more from Walker Lake about his time there. But uh, going back to the family briefly, his father is a runner who competed in a World Masters Championship and other races. And then he and his brothers, uh, the shooter and his brothers, reportedly took up boxing that they would spar together at a local athletic facility and would use an amateur boxing arena built in the family's garage. I kind of thought this a little bit yesterday when we had found out more of... This guy's family, the prominence, the the notoriety that the family had in the area. What if he's the youngest son who doesn't really have anything going on? You know, what if uh, dad had a name, grandpa had a name, the brothers are all making names for themselves, and you're just the 19-year-old kid who doesn't really do anything? Yeah, I think that absolutely has something to do with it. Um, they did find some uh, white supremacist Instagram posts, white power messaging, things like that. Yeah, he encouraged people to go specifically read a book called uh, Might is Right, which I guess has been used a bunch of times to to justify things like racism and uh, uh, race separation, segregation, things like that. For the last few months, he was staying in that remote town, Walker Lake, Nevada, and authorities did serve search warrants there. They searched a triplex, a triplex where he was living, and court documents show they retrieved items including a bulletproof vest, empty weapon, and ammo boxes, a, uh, a pocket knife, a gun light, a camouflage backpack, pamphlets on guns, a stack of ammo casings, a gas mask, and gloves. They also got a bunch of hard drives and a letter to him written from a woman. Hmm. wonder if that was a breakup letter. They say he was seldom seen and barely heard from. But certainly noticed by residents. The county sheriff there said people didn't fade into a small town easily, especially when you're new. So you would stand out. Well, this is uh, this will continue. We'll talk more about it a little bit later in the show as well, because it seems like every day we're finding we are finding more information about this guy and his family and uh, potentially what led to that shooting on Sunday night. When we come back, uh, we're pushing what you watch on Wednesday, just a couple minutes. We'll get to it in a, in a, a segment or two, but we want to talk about terror in the skies because there's a couple of great stories coming out of the, out of the great blue yonder. Mm, I love the great blue yonder. Or should I say wild? I guess it's wild blue yonder. That's what it is. You can say whatever you want. You're Gary freaking Hoffman. Can I say dark psychic forces like Marianne Williamson did? Yes. Yes. Big stories we were following on this Wednesday, July 31st. Uh, debate night two is tonight in Detroit. Still mopping up after the uh, first 10 Democratic candidates. 
Uh, tonight we'll see Colorado Senator Michael Bennett, New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, former HUD Secretary Julian Castro, Cory Booker, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard, Jay Inslee, and Bill de Blasio. CNN is tripping over itself to uh, break into regular programming to show when each of the candidates shows up and takes their measure of the podium and looks around and sees what's going on. Um, pretty funny when you think about it. Uh, Marianne, speaking of last night's debate, Marianne Williamson gained some momentum because during the debate last night, Marianne Williamson was the most searched for candidate on Google during the debate. Well, people, because people are like, who the hell is this? In 49 states, I saw. I was, waiting, fifth, for, I was waiting for her to whip out crystals. The 50th state, Montana, people looked up the name Steve Bullock. He's the governor of the state. I thought and he they, seemed pretty strong. Here's the thing. Steve Bullock was one of those guys who, at the, even though he, didn't, he wasn't on the stage in the first debate uh, last month, he shows up and standing right next to John Delaney was sort of this voice of moderation, this voice of centrism in the Democratic Party, at least. It was like, well, you guys, we're talking about magic spells here. We can't afford all of this stuff. When they talked about um, uh, nuclear proliferation and Elizabeth Warren said we would announce the United States will never strike first. Steve Bullock was like, well, I mean, that's nice and when you say it, but I wouldn't want to take anything off the table. There's just too many bad actors around the world. And I'd, our strength is our strength. And Beto say, said our strength is our diversity. Right. And our unity power is our strength word power diversity. I mean, Beto swiped that from Garcetti. Uh, who swiped it from Nancy Pelosi. Wow. They're going to argue over all, uh, who's uh, who came up with that one first. It's a good one, isn't it? But Steve Bullock, the governor of uh, Montana, fell. Uh, his batteries wore out. By the end of the night when he started, whenever he would say things, he would go. Weak stream. Yeah. You guys got to caffeinate your candidates. You got to make sure they can go the distance. Yeah, there's, there were enough commercial breaks. Just give sure. a quick five-hour energy. Boom. Yeah. Back in it. It's time for Terror in the Skies. Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. See, this is why I like to see my pilots with gray hair. I like my pilots to be on the older side. Okay. Vietnam era yeah. has always been what makes me feel the most comfortable. You, so what I'm hearing is, and you've said this before, you like the idea that your your commercial airline pilot has had a little bit of time behind a gray airplane, behind some military aircraft. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I, I got on a flight yesterday and there were three bonus pilots on the plane. Which also makes me feel really good. Bonus pilots. Yeah, you know they were just uh, deadheading somewhere, right? That's... And uh, when I walk down that aisle and I pass all those stripes, I feel better. You high five every single one of them. I just nod to them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thirty-seven-year-old Gabriel Ly- Lyle Schroeder mm. uh, was handcuffed, handcuffed uh, on a fully boarded airplane in minneapolis he the problem is he's the pilot he was, was reeking of alcohol and not just that he had a bottle of booze on his person he left a pre-boarding tsa screening line for crew members 
when he noticed that additional screening was being conducted. I don't think I have ever seen that. No, me neither. And they they noted it and they said, oh, why is that guy bypassing the let's see if you're drunk pilots <laughs> line? Uh, they say that that was suspicious. Now, he ultimately did go back to the line, but the officers, the TSA officers, had already reported him to airport police who did two sobriety checks. They said one found that he was under the influence of alcohol. The results from the other are pending. I don't know why you'd, I don't know why, maybe one of them was, a you know, just the normal, you know, hand on the nose thing, walk in a straight line, and the other may have been a blood test or a breathalyzer or something like that. This was a flight, not that there are good flights to show up drunk for but this was minneapolis to san diego i mean cross the country flight and this kid shows up wasted to the point where they could smell the employees could smell the alcohol off of him i mean i guess the only thing by the time they get to land maybe he's sobered up a little bit after about a four-hour flight five hours that's not good you know unless you're denzel washington you don't get to fly a plane wasted uh (laughs) There was also a Delta flight to the Bahamas that uh, was prompting some confusion. This bothers me a lot that there was upsetment over these Delta napkins. Give me a break. Furthermore, (laughs) wait till you hear the specifics of this woman's trip. Um, Natalie Walker was on a Delta flight to the Bahamas. She quickly looked at a napkin. To the Bahamas. Yes. She should be relaxed, right? Uh, She looked at a napkin that had been served to her with her in-flight beverage. And this is a distressingly this is distressingly easy to misread and then put a photo of the misinterpreted napkin. The napkin, I don't know. First of all, stop putting notes on napkins. Oh, I They're like going it. to be misinterpreted. I like it. Uh, I like Southwest has a good one. In a world full of no, we're a plane full of yes. I like those. They're cute. They're funny. They add to your brand and I get it. And and this Delta napkin, there's no problem with it. Well the world is better. With you out in it. Right. Get out there. Go see the world. There's nothing There's nothing that you can mistake from that. No, I no, I mistook this when I read this. Yeah, well, then I, you don't know how to read. <laughs> I've read it. The world is better without you in it. Because if you look at it quickly, that's what it says. If you look at it quickly, but if you use your reading skills, that's not what it says. Now, several on Twitter explained that they, too, had seen the napkin as telling them the world was better without them in it. And even some of them shared a photoshopped version of the napkin. Now, this she woman says, says that, that to, the woman who's on, on the way to the Bahamas says that it upset her because she was in a depressive tailspin the day before her trip to the Bahamas. I feel like that's an important part of the story. And I know depression can hit anybody at any time. And it doesn't matter if you're on the way to the Bahamas. But I think it does a little bit. I don't know why this It's rose. not like she was going to Detroit. I, I find it strange that it rose to the level that Fox News was like, you know what? We need to write a story about this. And hold on. I know Detroit is lovely. I know there are great places in Detroit before I get emails telling me how wonderful it is. Last night, they said Detroit is on its way back. Yeah? Yeah. I heard great things about Baltimore while I was gone. Hey, by the way, again, I don't know why I'm going to weave this throughout the morning, but so the Democrats debate in Detroit last night. They'll do it again tonight. And they talked about fossil fuel and how we have, you know, we have 10 years or 12 years, depending on who you listen to. We've got to stop buying fuel, uh, stop buying cars that run on fossil fuel, et cetera. How come nobody said the city that we are in right now would not exist if it were not for fossil fuel industry? It was built on it. Now, that's one thing to say 
and now we need to change and make it something else. But they nobody acknowledged the fact that the entire city of Detroit relied solely upon the fossil fuel industry at some point in the last century and a half. It's a dirty, those dirty words. Dirty words. All right. What you watching Wednesday? We come back. Uh, we will spoil the Bachelorette for you. Yeah, and if you are the kind of person who if, is uh, missed last night's episode for some reason and is like counting down the moments at work till you get to go home and watch what happens with freaking Hannah Brown, then you know what? <laughs> then you're the person Screw who you. would misread that napkin on the Delta flight. Yeah. yeah there's more problems. Than- That's right. The uh, big stories we're following include the uh, debates, of course, night two of the debates in Detroit. Ten more Democratic candidates will take the stage tonight. L.A. City Council has approved reinstatement of rules limiting places where homeless people can live in cars and vans and RVs. We'll have all the latest coming up. Seen those videos of people dousing cops with water in New York. State lawmakers in New York are introducing a bill that would make that a felony. It would be a felony assault charge. Good. Yeah. The latest one is a guy who walks up to a couple of cops with a water bottle, just like a, I don't know, one liter water bottle, and squirts the cops. How they don't, I mean, I I suppose they see him coming and they can see that it's a water bottle in his hand. I, I don't understand the, the absolute patience that it takes to not react to that i also think it's like a thing it's becoming a thing it's almost like a challenge or something and <sighs> uh, you know it, it, and did you see the latest on the ice cream challenge uh, a woman took it to the next level at a walmart in the south i believe and decided to urinate on some potatoes i think it was pennsylvania or pennsylvania <laughs> what are we doing it's time for What You Watching Wednesday. <laughs> the following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. And perfectly good potatoes. <laughs> you know, it's like the delivery driver that put his testicles in the salsa. Don't ruin potatoes. I have Don't potatoes ruin potatoes or salsa. Uh, well, listen, um... I got a new show. I got into a new show. It's about a uh, a blind woman, and she has an alcohol and sex addiction. Z, I guess what? that's two. Okay, what's it called? In the dark, and it's all about how she is investigating the murder of of uh, one of her best friends. And you're thinking to yourself, how is a blind woman going how to investigate a, going a murder? Investigate a murder. And she does damn well. It's on Netflix. It's great. It's on Netflix. It's so in good. I second that. Yeah. Um, the speaking of Netflix, in just a couple of weeks, Mind Hunter season two comes out. That trailer looks outstanding. Now it's not Manson, although Manson is, I guess, makes a quick appearance in the uh, in the trailer. It, they're going after the Atlanta murders of 1979, 80, 81. So that's uh, that was a fantastic show. A fantastic first season, so they have a lot to live up to. My wife and I just started the second season last night of Fleabag uh, on Amazon <gasps> Prime. Yeah, that's oh. so good. Hold on a second. 
not a family show. Absolutely not. Not a family show, to be clear. But the woman who wrote and stars as Fleabag also was a producer on Killing Eve. I didn't know that. And she's on a show called Broadchurch as well. Um, That's very good. It's on Netflix as well. We just started the second season last night. And I got to tell you, the second season is better than the first Mm -hmm. so far. And the writing and the... It's so sharp. She does this aside thing where she'll look at you as the audience and let you in on sort of her uh, thought process. Mm -hmm. It's so well done. It's so quick. It's witty. It's... And dirty... Dirty. It's not so dirty. a family show. No, it's so good, though. Right. Um, also not a family show is The Bachelorette. <laughs> there was quite the dramatic finish to this season. P.S. Spoiler The alert. guy that she left. Yeah, Tyler. Tyler, he's, yeah. I'm looking at him right now. He's in the studio next to us. What? Yeah, he's right across the hall. Monica, easy. Easy. You right got a few one. minutes. He's Go check. Single, he's in that. He's in that studio right there. Go look. You he's can all right. Check him out. Put your face up against the glass when you get in there. Okay. Bye, Monica. Uh, So it turns out uh, Hannah turns down Tyler, the guy who looked like an actual man, and went with Jed, the guy with the guitar. With very small, like, elfin features. Yeah, it looked like a boy. Like a little elf. They got engaged, actually, at the end of the show, and then she decided to break it off. Well, she found out that he had a girlfriend when he went on the show, and that he only went on the show for his music career. Yep. So, where does your relationship stand now? Um, I am not with Jed anymore. And the crowd... Loved it. The applause lasts for like 30 seconds for her not being with Jed anymore. The engagement's over. We're not together. It's just, that's not what I said yes to. So she (laughs) is going to apparently go get drinks with Tyler, who's across the hall, Mm -hmm. at some point. We could now. We they could were the ones that, in here. They Oscar could. was saying that they were like super physical, and then they didn't have sex though yeah. because she wanted to see if it was more than that. I, I think they had that. they had sex in the second to last episode. What? Oh, really? Well, well, wait. go ask him. So she did like <laughs> she had the sex with then at least three of the guys. Yep. Mm-hmm. Multiple and times. she had sex with that one guy four times in the windmill. Peter, yeah. the pilot. Lighthouse. Yeah, lighthouse, not a windmill. No, it was a windmill. It was a windmill. It was a windmill. Yeah, yeah. that's disgusting. What? Well, a lighthouse would make sense, but a windmill? Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a lot of splinters, doesn't it? Thank goodness that uh, The Bachelorette is over. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. All right. Hey, Alt 98.7's <laughs> annual Alt Summer Camp is returning this weekend. This year's one-day festival coming up on Saturday at Queen Mary Events Park in Long Beach features a lineup with uh, full sets by Cold War Kids, The Head and the Heart, of Monsters and Men, a bunch more. Went through the whole list yesterday. Again, this Saturday at Queen Mary Events Park in Long Beach, the uh, Alt 98.7 Annual Alt Summer Camp. Get your tickets at AXS.com. Use that keyword, Alt 98.7 Summer Camp. Coming up next, California unilaterally goes after Trump's tax returns. Does California election law trump the Constitution? Trump! I would say no. We'll break down the legal fight when we return to Gary and Shannon. I'm a little bit steady, but still a little bit rolling stone. I'm a 
I'm a little bit heaven, but still a little bit flesh and bone. Little foul, little don't know where I am. I'm a little bit holy water, but still a little bit burning. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Some big stories we are following. The Fed has cut that key policy rate by a quarter point, the first reduction in a decade. Of course, this has been talked about to guard against uncertainties. Jeffrey Epstein was in court today. Judge said he won't face trial on those sex trafficking charges before June of 2020, and it probably won't start until a couple months after that. Will the Dodgers make some sort of a deal? Today is the uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline. They start playing at 1210. The deadline's at 1 our time, correct? Uh, Yes. I think it's at 1 o'clock our time. Uh, Blake is paying attention to all of the the very, very hot stove, although I guess it wouldn't be considered hot stove if we're in the middle of the season. Anything to report, Blake? Uh, uh, Maldonado for Kemp, Astros and Cubs. Not, not, not Matt Kemp, Tony Kemp. Got it. And Martin Maldonado. And not, not Candy Maldonado. No, that oh, was 1989. No. If even that, I think it was probably like 85. Uh, all right, uh, Governor, 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 yes, that guy, Newsom. <sighs> Governor Newsom has signed a law that would require a presidential candidate disclose his or her tax returns before they could be eligible to have their name appear on a primary ballot in the state of California. Just side note. Yeah, go ahead. Candy Maldonado played from 81 all through 95. Really? Yeah. A long time. I didn't know he lasted that long. Uh, Gavin Newsom posted this video on Twitter to explain why he wants to do this. Uh, you've seen over the course of years and years uh, these norms being challenged and laws being passed to address those norms, to codify best practices, to codify uh, ethical standards. We saw that in Watergate. I mean, we saw that not just as it relates to tax returns that were released uh, by uh, Nixon, but we saw the aftermath of Watergate with a special prosecutor law. We saw that with new federal financial disclosure laws that came out of Watergate. It's a long way of saying this. Norms are being challenged today uh, in those same historic ways, and we've got to meet that moment. In California, we have an obligation. If the federal government's not going to act, California needs to act. We- Okay. So he thinks that by passing this new California election law, it will weave its way up through the courts and we're going to end up altering the Constitution because that's what we're going to have to do. Because the Constitution is very clear when it comes to what the qualifi- uh, qualifications for president are. And it also states that states individually cannot add additional requirements on their own when it comes to what those qualifications are. This election law also violates the First Amendment right of association. California can't tell political parties which candidates their members can and cannot vote for in a primary. So those things are going to have to be ironed out, and the Supreme Court is going to have to rule in California's favor. (laughs) For that all to happen. This is what I think is the funniest part about this, or at least the most brain-dead part about it, is that Gavin Newsom had the audacity to say, uh, we're not, you know, this isn't directed at one person. It's 100% directed at one person. And that's Donald Trump because he's refused to re- to, to uh, show his tax returns. Gavin Newsom does have a point. Yes, there should be some way that we as voters 
have an opportunity to look at somebody and determine whether or not we think that they have conflicts of interest or we think that they've been involved in self-dealing or influence from domestic or foreign business interests. Yes, of course. But the idea that you only can do that from tax returns or that you would even be able to from tax returns, I think, is a little bit dumbheaded on his part. And the idea that this is not about Donald Trump is just is, is a complete lie from Gavin Newsom. We know that he has, and I said this the other day, and I shouldn't have put it this way, but I'll repeat it only because I think it made my son laugh. He's got such a boner for Donald Trump, for for beating him in some oh, way. Oh, this is exactly what he's going to use to run for whatever office he has his eyes on next. next. The fact that he waged a war against this administration as as the governor of California. It's all political. It's all gimmicky, as the chairwoman of the RNC called it. And it's just all to prove a, a political point. He doesn't really care about what's in those tax returns. He just wants to raise his name, uh, uh, his uh, notoriety. Oh, that's, oh, Gavin Newsom. That's right. That's the guy that kept going after the, the president. Yeah, he and Javier Becerra are trying to figure out who's going to fight more uh, against Donald Trump, which is not a way to run a state. It's Uh-oh. not a run. It's a matter. Monica's in the hallway accosting that bachelorette kid. Yeah, her and Morgan got a little excited. I think they're taking pictures of Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, we need to have some decorum. Do you see me go and run and take pictures with all the pro athletes? Oh. Yes. Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. While we're off topic, the uh, Nationals got a uh, relief pitcher in exchange for a prospect. From? Um, The Blue Jays. Oh, okay. Sit down, Monica. You should be ashamed (laughs) of yourself. You're a professional news anchor in Los Angeles. Why is your face all red? (laughs) Good Lord. Uh, it's hot in the hallway. <laughs> I, I bet it is. <laughs> you didn't touch him, did you? No, dude. I feel weird because yeah. there's a bunch of little girls from Kiss that are, you know, in the hallway with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I can't be that person. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, I don't think that this has uh, legal legs to stand on. No. And I think it's going to be and dealt listen, with. Even if it does. What does Donald Trump care that he wouldn't be on the California ballot? I, I no, don't, that's a good point. I mean, he's not, it's got nothing to lose. This is not something. This is there's no weight on the other side of this. Gavin Newsom does not have uh, any sort of punishment for Donald Trump on this. Uh, he's just got that weird, stalled, stilted way of speaking that sounds like he lost his voice seven years ago. California farmers are looking elsewhere as water supplies dry up. They're looking to the sun. They're looking to the sun, to the future, to our diversity, which is our unity. No. Harness the love. Our strength is our diversity. She didn't have much of, uh, in the way of harnessing of the love at the debate last night. No, she, no. No. She just stayed with the psychic, dark psychic forces, I think. But they will be done away with when you harness the love. Got it. Got it. Thank you. You're welcome. You're like my spiritual guru, my guide, as it were. Oh my gosh! Wait, Kamala Harris in town. It's, she is in. She's, she's in a she's Dodgers in hat. She's got a Dodgers hat on. Wow, a Dodgers hat on the former DA of San Francisco County. That is big. Where's she born? Uh, I think she's from Southern California. Nope. No, Oakland. Really? And going with the Dodgers hat. Shocking. Maybe she realizes that nobody knows who the hell she is. 
in Southern California. Or she doesn't have the extensive this is a move. record in Southern no, California. The Dodger hat is a move. Oh, I'm just trying to figure totally. it out. I'm just trying to figure totally. out what kind of move we're dealing with. Were her numbers not good? Um, because that's a that's a big uh, F and U to she's, Northern California. I would say she's been in the headlines in Northern California for a decade and a half. But not down here. But not down here. Interesting. I don't, yeah. She's uh, born in Oakland. Spent a lot of time in uh, City Hall in San Francisco and then Sacramento, of course, as Attorney General and now Senator. But, uh, huh. All right. Dodgers, huh? Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Solar, when we come back. Gary yes. and Shannon will continue. Gone, I'm gone, I'm gone. Well, that was interesting. What? Cattle call around the oh. Bachelorette contestant that yeah. was out there. Tyler, he had all the ladies, including this one. Not me. <laughs> you, I'm nodding to Monica. Could see, nobody could see you do that. I'm you did fling your head a little Monica, bit. Monica, he looks really young. He's way too young. How yeah. old is he? God, he's like 25? Yeah. yeah he's like, he's, he's a like child. producer Nick's younger brother. Right. No, I know. It's He's he's way too young. And, and in person, he looks like just even younger. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Did you guys talk about the debate last night? or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I lied and said my two super fan friends were producers at the station just to get them to uh, record a message for them. Oh, oh wow, Monica. Funny. You are a horrible that's person. Sad. Okay. Um, the the, the Nationals right. also got Ronis Elias. I really Elias. missed you guys. There you go. Another trade update, sorry, yeah. Blake? Ronis Elias. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, you know, Nats. that lefty from the Mariners. Speaking of uh, night two of the debates, uh, Bennett, Gillibrand, Castro, Booker, Biden, Harris, Yang, Gabbard, Inslee, de Blasio from left to right on the stage tonight. Federal Reserve cuts interest rates today a quarter point in an effort, of course, to keep the economy on track. And the president has a new plan to let American import cheaper prescription drugs from Canada. Drug industry lobbies say it's far too dangerous of a plan. We'll get into all of that coming up at 1230 when we dive into Swamp Watch. Because Canadian drugs are bad. Because the drugs we already have here are so safe. So good for us. Um, at the bottom of the hour, Andrew Mullenbeck is going to join us. We're going to be talking about this uh, temporary ban that was reinstated by the city council, L.A. City Council, a uh, ban on overnight homeless parking. We'll talk about that, what sort of impact that might have. Uh, this is a this is a, a strange story to me in that there is a L.A. Times deal about how planting solar panels, and by planting, I mean, finger quotes, planting, putting up solar panels in farmlands around California – uh, are going to be sort of the savior for the incredible agriculture industry that we have here in California because water supplies are drying up. But how do we do that and protect nature? There was a, a report that tried to figure out how California can satisfy its appetite for all this clean energy without destroying ecologically all the sensitive lands. The report lays out possible answers, they say, to the question of which areas should be dedicated to solar panels Uh, wind turbines and the like which should be protected for wildlife outdoor recreation and all of that farming and and that and the like there i guess my question is why is it that we're putting an uh why is uh, energy being put into this and i just mean time and energy into this when we have vast swaths of roof space on buildings throughout the state of california that have not been retrofitted with solar 
I, I know that there's a requirement that new construction does have at least some solar on it, but obviously not enough to offset, you know, what would regularly be your normal usage. I don't know if it's enough. Uh, the report says California will need hundreds or thousands of square miles of solar power production in the coming decades. Assu- yes, assuming if that it's we're going to rely on solar almost completely to get to where we want to be when it comes to you know these green technologies. But I think we need to make sure that we start on the buildings that already exist because simply covering up and you're literally covering up farmland by when you do this. Simply covering up farmland is not going to make anybody feel great about what's going on. There's so much land that is not farmland and is not a, a wildlife hotbed. I mean, drive to Vegas well, and, and look around. When you fly into Vegas, you know those three giant – So I guess you can see them from the freeway yes. as well when you go on uh, 15. But um, those – I think it's three giant solar facilities that are out there. Um, or is it aliens? I'm just – I'm not saying it's aliens and I they live there. I'm just – Asking the question. Maybe it's just a, maybe it's a beacon for the aliens. Right. Like, hey, come here and then turn right and you'll be on your way to Area 51. And well, and there's we that whole uh, alien beef jerky thing out there. Okay. Uh, You've never been to the alien beef jerky place? <laughs> I have, actually. The one in uh, Bi- Baker? Blythe. Baker? I think Baker's a better one. Um, yeah, it's Baker. The farms that are out there have already said that they want to go 100. A lot of them have said they want to do 100% renewable electricity by the year 2025. And when you think about it, the renewable electricity version of it makes perfect sense. Because while there is a draw, I mean, the farms do use some electricity. The other problem is the fossil fuels that they're going to be using. I mean, you still have to drive tractors. You still have to use big machines and equipment to get, you know, your your crop harvested. The biggest solar project being planned in the Central Valley is called the Westlands Solar Park. They are working on a 670 megawatt uh, system scheduled to begin in the next few months. And it would eventually grow to 2,700 megawatts of power across 20,000 acres, which would be larger than any solar facility that is in uh, that is in use today. And they're talking about this project being built on areas that I was concerned about. Or, or I should say making use of the areas that you were talking about, these drainage-impaired farmlands where soil has become loaded with salt because – all of the clay beneath the dirt prevents the irrigation water from percolating down into the underground aquifer, so it's hard to it's hard to grow the crops there. And they're saying that type of land could be used for all of these giant solar farms. So, but it's uh, it's just weird that you're going to have replace giant swaths of cropland with solar panels. Stick them on your house first. Okay, coming up next, Los Angeles has sharpened its policy on people sleeping at night in their cars. We will get all the latest when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Warm Arnold Palmer from McCann. Yeah. Ouch. 
That's what he's my hero. Watching that flea bag show, mm-hmm. they drink gin and tonics out of a can. That's respectable. Point. But in, isn't the Arnold Palmer the uh, the uh, tea with lemonade or something? Yeah, lemonade and iced tea combined. No so alcohol. Good. Horrible. Uh, Got to put some vodka up in there. Not a tea guy. Big stories that we're following include the debates, of course. Uh, night two of the debate. Uh, they'll do this ridiculous CNN thing that they're going to do as they lead up five hours, 25 minutes, and 20 seconds from now, even though they spent about 15 minutes uh, fluffing everybody before the actual questions started this last night. Well, and they have everyone in their, like, street clothes, like their their comfy, normal person clothes yeah. come out to see where their podium is. And it... It's just odd. It's, uh, this is a problem. There was a lot of discussion last night on Twitter about why these debates are being done and exclusive to specific networks. The last one last month, of course, was NBC. This one is CNN. Why don't we have C-SPAN or uh, Voice of America or even PBS doing these debates so that they're not exclusive, so that they're not controlled by uh, the evil corporations, as Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren like to say? Because they, it seems like it makes it less available when you hide it like that. Anyway, um, that's coming up tonight. The Trump administration says it's going to set up the system to allow us to uh, get access to lower-cost prescription drugs from Canada. Alex Azar, the Health and Human Services Secretary, made this announcement today, and he basically says that we will be able to import medication safely and effectively with oversight from the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, but the story locally is that the L.A. City Council unanimously voted yesterday to reinstate a law that would prohibit overnight parking for homeless people who live in their cars. Recent count found that more than 9,500 people live in vehicles throughout Los Angeles. Wow. Andrew Mullenbeck is joining us. was at uh, City Council yesterday to watch all of this go down. Andrew, what's going on? Hey, it was really tense. It was very heated. It had to be one of the more noisy and unruly events I've ever covered in City Hall Council Chamber because uh, several dozen people, homeless activists, had showed up to speak on the issue and every single person who showed up to public comment was against this ban being reinforced once again. It expired last month, the previous one, and the council was deciding yesterday whether to bring it back at least for six months. So we listened to about 45 minutes of one person after another speaking out against the ban. And especially, Shannon, as you know, oftentimes in city council, uh, the issue comes up, nobody even says anything, and it passes unanimously. Well, that's what happened yesterday. After about 40 minutes or so of all of this comment speaking out against the ban, no council member even said anything. They called it up for a vote. It was, as usual, unanimous. And it took a while for all the people in the chamber to figure out what had just happened. They didn't have any idea that it was going to pass this quickly, or maybe they thought the council would be more receptive to the comments that they were making. And uh, after maybe 30 seconds to a minute went by, this is how it sounded. And that continued for about 10 minutes. The council meeting stopped completely. And the LAPD called in extra security to try to handle it because people were in the aisle, standing all over the place, shouting. Uh, at least one person was taken into custody, had handcuffs put on. Uh, city council members had had enough after a while, and they just simply left. They walked out one of the side doors and into a back room where they all just 
kind of huddled together in there, shut the door. I'm not sure what happened inside, but they left the chamber entirely. So it was uh, it was pretty heated as far as issues go, because oftentimes at City Hall, an issue that uh, the public has a comment on tends to be one that the city council is going to approve. But at least in this case, it was all speaking out against the ban. So I want to walk through what this actually is. And I've got a cut of uh, Councilman Mitch Englander, excuse me, Mitch O'Farrell as well, talking about what this is. So this, this ban is not a blanket ban on vehicle dwelling in the city. What it specifically prohibits is overnight sleeping in residential areas and next to parks and schools. It says nothing of parking anywhere else in the city. I'm not sure whether the people speaking yesterday knew that that was the case or they didn't necessarily care. They just felt that people should be free to live out of their vehicles wherever they want. Uh, Here is Mitch O'Farrell talking about the activists maybe not knowing what the issue is about. I think that what was conveyed out there by the um, activists was inaccurate. This is not an outright ban for people sleeping in their cars. There are ample miles, in fact, hundreds and hundreds of miles of city streets where people can still dwell in their vehicles. But the activists were saying that it was cruel, it was inhumane, they even said racist and bigoted, that uh, the city would limit where homeless people can live out of their vehicles overnight. Yeah, uh, federal courts struck down the blanket citywide ban years ago, uh, so this is really much ado about nothing. Like you said, it's just from parks and schools and overnight sleeping in the vehicles. Was there anybody there from uh, the police department, anybody that gave the police version of this in terms of enforcement of this? I think it's uh, 8502, this... Yeah, you're right on that, the the ordinance. Uh, Nobody from the police department showed up to speak. Uh, This was just the people from the public. More than three dozen people spoke. And again, nobody from the city council actually talked about the issue as well. But this is a bit of a Band-Aid for now because it's only a six-month ordinance. What they're trying to do in the next six months is to make some modifications to this ban or this ordinance, whether it would be more relaxed or even more stringent, probably not the latter. But they want to give themselves these next six months to try to figure out what are the rules going to be as it relates to living out of vehicles on city streets. As Shannon was talking about, close to 10,000 people do that in various parts. But right now they're just limiting you can't be next to a park or a school or in a residential neighborhood overnight. They're going to try to work that out over the next six months. And presumably the LAPD would be at least allowed Of course, they'll be allowed. We'll see whether they enforce it, because for the last month, as this has expired, the police department has not been enforcing uh, the ordinance because I guess it's been off the books. But now they could go back and say, if you're in a neighborhood or you're next to a school, you have to move along, park somewhere else. Hmm. All right. Andrew, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Andrew Mollenbeck there with the latest. And again, the city council voted unanimously to reinstate this uh, ordinance 8502 that prohibits overnight parking for homeless people living in their cars. The question is, are they going to, how strictly are they going to enforce this? Uh, There was a report that said that officers have been unable to issue citations when someone living in the vehicle doesn't respond. Imagine there's an RV parked in your neighborhood and they knock on the door and nobody comes to the door. Cops aren't going to sit there and wait for that person to come out. No. So if they don't respond, they can't issue a citation. Uh, it's difficult to prove the violation if officers can't inspect the interior what, what, of the what, vehicle. How pointless is that citation? 
Like it's going right. to get paid? I, I don't know. I, but there's got to be something, right? I mean, there's got to be something to get people to move on um, from from parking in these residential areas. So uh, there was a call for more of those off-street areas that uh, Andrew mentioned. But then you just end up, up in a tent city type situation. And another yeah. skid row situation. And, and in some, it's in someone else's parking lot at that point, too. All right. We are going to take the show to Burning Man. Is that a no, no, official? No, 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 no. no. Oh, we're not doing I would that. love that to Morgan's see Gary idea. at Burning I, Man. Why? Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> well, you wouldn't be able to wear that shirt, first of all. My youth pastor shirt? <laughs> yeah. Why not? I just think you would be more comfortable in um, something different. Like a mesh tank top. A mesh tank top. Maybe like bright green, a neon green mesh tank top. All yeah. right. Can I wear welding goggles too? You could yes, wear nipple please. covers. If a you top were... hat. A top hat, welding yeah, goggles, welding and my... If you've man. got outfit suggestions for Gary for Burning Man, hit us up at yes. Gary and Shannon on Twitter, and we will pick out the winners by yeah. the end of the show. Combat boots. Well, also, little real, eyeliner. Real quick, uh, Tanner Roark headed from the Reds to the A's. Oh, man. I was wondering if that was going to happen. Yep. You gave me too much power, Gary. I know. Coming up next, what does a typical Burning Man burner look like? <laughs> and it ain't this guy. <laughs> well, it's probably more like this guy. Yeah, it kind of is. Gary and Shannon will uh, continue that is with the hand on the microphone. <laughs> Big stories that we're following. Debate night two, round two, night two. Tonight's going to be the uh, fireworks, perhaps, between Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. Federal Reserve cut its key interest rate for the first time in a decade, trying to counter whatever trade wars may bring us, as well as chronically low inflation. And we just told you about the L.A. City Council locally, of course, voting unanimously, 13 to nothing, to reinstate the rules that limit places where homeless people could live in their cars, their vans, and the RVs. And then then the meeting was interrupted by people chanting shame on you for several minutes. San Francisco Chronicle broke down a Burning Man census. Because we didn't know what your typical burner looked like. Oh, good. Before the break, I had asked people, if you were to go to Burning Man, what you should wear. Because we, I think, all agree that your youth pastor shirt would not make you feel the most comfortable there. Um, Julian wrote in. He says, naked, hat, and boots. Maybe a Borat thong if he wants some coverage. And a fake fur coat at night. If it's his first time, I'm guessing it. It would be your first time? That would be my first time at Burning Man. Paint virgin on his chest. <laughs> That's a varied, that is a very extensive That is an suggestion. outfit yeah. that is detailed. I'm going to have to pack. I just, I assumed like I could get away with a backpack. Well, a hat full of and a... boots and then your Borat. Unitard. Sling. Yeah. Sling. <laughs> and a fake fur coat. The fur coat's probably the one that's going to take up the most room. Hmm. It looks like they did this 2018 Black Rock City Census project. and it, Who was clamoring for that? I know. It was based on about 9,000 responses. And here is what we were able to find out. Wait a minute. By the way, just for planning purposes, when is Burning Man? August 25th. Okay. So it's coming. We still like have some September time. September 2nd or something. All right, so I can find my fake fur coat. If you want to start that. Googling fake fur coat and Borat sling, <laughs> that's fine. Okay. 
The median age of the population is around 35 years old. Okay. That's a little older than I thought. 50- well, I think part of it is the expendable income that you need to do it. This is true. 59% self-identify as men. Oh, I love the way San Francisco Chronicle writes that. They self-identify as men. Around 40% as women. And around... No, uh, 40% self-identify Excuse as me. Excuse me. And around 2% as both fluid or neither. Neither. <laughs> By the way, my brother... Uh, Not even declined to state. Just Neither. My brother over the weekend went on a pretty good rant. He's like, "Do you hear about uh, what's going up? Uh, what's going on up there in Oregon? Did you hear about this?" And so, he was already at a level eight when he started the conversation. <laughs> and I said, "What?" And he said, "They're giving kids mental health days." <laughs> I'm done with Oregon. I'm the the state is dead to me. He says. And then words that I can't say about how we're all going to end up a country full of... Yeah. Yeah. Those things. Mm -hmm. Now, participants had a median personal income. This is, again, the people who make up Burning Man, Black Rock City. Participants had a median income of almost $65,000, which, again, is more than you would have expected. Though more than half have a household income of a hundred grand or more. Listen to this. 10% of the people who go to Burning Man report a household income upwards of $300,000. Oh, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you're trying to make ends meet, put food on the table for your young family or something like that, say you're about 35, uh, you're not going to spend money to go out into the middle of the desert and live in the dirt and have weird sex for a week. You're worried about things like the... The is air conditioning this, bill, if you can even afford to, to run it. Is this where the cuddle puddle thing was? Yes. Oh. And the orgy tent? Wasn't there an orgy tent? In the middle of the desert? Wait, let me Google that. Orgy tent. So median personal income of oh, almost 65000 It was the orgy dome. Dome, right. <laughs> which is probably a tent at that point. Um, Black Rock City population is predominantly white. 77% of people self-identified as white or Caucasian. Uh, they said that this is painting an unfairly broad picture of what it's like to be a burner. Seriously? Does, is that really what it's doing? If you want to know about the orgy dome... There's last, an orgy bus, too. Yeah, last year, you and I broke down that Cosmopolitan article. Remember, there was a couple oh, of girls yes. that went in... <laughs> And it's an extensive, um, it's very detailed onto how things operate in the orgy dome. If you're interested in that sort of thing. Uh, a long-term series, by the way, began on the Burning Man blog where they're trying to help. <laughs> they're trying to increase their strength through diversity and uh-huh. union through u- unity yeah. or whatever it is. Uh, one of them discusses identity and how burners can enact change in their own communities. Another one discusses the racial limitations of the Ten Principles, which is sort of the guiding Ten Principles of what is Burning Man and what they stand for. So it's a bunch of it's a bunch of white privileged. It's they're artists dudes. though. They build they build the whole thing, don't they? They build all of the. Uh, You're trying to make it sound like it's not a bunch of white privileged dudes out there. 
just farting around in the desert for a weekend. <laughs> I do think that there's an art element to it. I don't know how much is art and how much is orgy dumb. This is why we should take our news and brews out there. We'll call oh, oh my new, gosh. News and nudes. <laughs> news and nudes. News <laughs> and nudes. Oh, it's too bad. I think you have a Chargers I have a thing. that weekend. I have a thing. <laughs> also, most of these sex parties, including the Orgy Dome, many like a lot of these sex parties forbid single men from going in. Right. This is true. You've got to be a, a like a swinger. I'm married. Does that yeah, count? but unless you bring your wife, you oh, can't I go have to, to these bring parties. Her? I don't think she's down with that. Mm, guess you're out too. Uh, Julian, who wanted to dress you up in just a hat and boots and a oh Borat God. sling, uh, says <laughs> that he'll take you out there. And oh, you can wear so your nice. youth pastor shirt. <laughs> he says his whole group is doctors, engineers, and Microsoft guys. Few pilots. I really shouldn't click on these articles. Gosh. Yeah, your Damn computer's it. about to burn up. We'll talk trending when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Can't the hustle. And KFI, hey, Julian, continues to defend Burning Man. He says there isn't a lot of sex. Right. It's late night music and stargazing. There's a human car wash. Uh, I'm sorry? There's a human car wash. Yes. But that's not sexual? Gary. Yes. How dare you? How dare I? How dare you? Woodstock 50 has officially been canceled. No! So everybody that was going to go to Woodstock on the uh, 16th, 17th, and 18th, they're going to have to go to Burning Man mm. the weekend after that. Oh, he also says there's not just one orgy tent. There are several. But it's not about sex, Shannon. Huh. A human car wash. <laughs> Google that. No. <laughs> what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. <laughs> well, this is the time of day we... We talk about all the stories that everyone is talking about everywhere. We all get caught up to speed on the big news of the day, the buzzy stories, all wait of it. Minute, wait a minute. Yeah. If you, I'm doing it right now. You know the human, you know the car wash that's behind the gas station? Like it's the <laughs> the hallway that you, and the oh! things go right back and forth. Do, 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 do people just line up on either side of you and just spit on you and then oh, rub it in uh, with their hands? Oh, no. Don't Google. <laughs> Human car wash. I already X'd it out. I couldn't leave it up on the screen. Huh. Human that was unfortunate. Face is red, too. The Federal Reserve is cutting its key interest rate for the first time in a decade. They say they're going to try and counter any damage that could be caused by the trade wars, uh, chronically low inflation, what some analysts are referring to as a dim global outlook as well. This looks fun. No. The Fed's cutting interest rates? <laughs> the human car wash. It's no. a giant bouncy house. We That's not what that is. <laughs> we have also seen the uh the Dow ever since the announcement go down 262 points right now. It's below 27,000 for the first time in several uh several days, if not a couple of weeks, I think. This is the first rate cut since December 08, of yeah. course, in the the heightened time of the great recession. 
Hal Prince has died. This was a Broadway director and producer. He was behind some of the greats, a cabaret, Phantom, 91 years old. Wow. Also, uh, Sweeney Todd. He won 21 Tony Awards. That seems like a lot. He helped create some of uh, some of Broadway's biggest shows, The Pajama Game, Damn Yankees, West Side Story, Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Fiddler on the Roof. He was a director for Cabaret, Company, Follies, Sweeney Todd, Avita, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber told the Associated Press that it was impossible to overestimate the importance of Hal Prince to musical theater. <laughs> Uh, Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber was talking to the Associated Press about about Hal Prince today, and he said it was impossible to overestimate the importance of Prince to musical theater, that all of modern musical theater owes practically everything to him. And he remembered a a story um, that when he himself was was young, he had written the music for a, a flop and he was feeling down on himself. And Hal Prince wrote Andrew Lloyd Webber in a letter urging him not to be discouraged. They they met up. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber tells him he's thinking about doing a music uh, musical about Evita Perone. Uh, and Hal Prince says, well, bring it to me first. And Andrew Lloyd Webber says that was a game changer for his whole life, that without that, without that interaction, he often wonders where he would be. Zeus sex story out of uh, San Diego converse, uh, conservation organization says San Diego uh, has successfully artificially inseminated a southern white rhino for the first time in North America. San Diego Zoo Global announced that hmm. Victoria the rhino gave birth to a healthy southern white rhino male calf in the barn after about 30 minutes of labor, which doesn't sound bad, right? 30 minutes of labor. So they she extract was, the sperm from the rhino and they put it in the other rhino? Yeah. How do they do that? Carefully. Rhinos have horns. Right. Like, is yeah. it a machine? Or, like, does, does, how does it work? I'm not certain how, do you artificially, how it works with the rhino. You probably just put it in one of those, like, you know. Like nope. A, he's talking. She's, oh, go on. How do you on. get the sperm? Go on, animal how husbandry do you get the sperm guy. Out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, what they do with horses is they put a fake mount and it hops on top. And then when, you know, they throw something on the end of that thing, collect it. I did not need to see the hand movements yeah. that I just saw. Morgan is for some reason acting out the most odd thing yeah. that you might see at Burning Man. You basically put like a giant fake one and it hops on thinking it's a real one and you catch <laughs> oh the real my stuff. God. God. <laughs> How about a story uh, about a woman and her cats, huh? Yeah. Let's clean it up a little Let's act bit. this out, shall we? A 79-year-old woman from Ohio is being sent to jail for feeding stray cats. Her name's Nancy. Of course it is. Nancy of Garfield Heights, Ohio, says she started feeding these cats a few years Garfield ago. Garfield She says, I used to have a neighbor that had a couple of cats and he moved away, so he left them. I would always feed them and care for them because I was worried about them and I'm a cat lover. Now, Uh, what kind of a-hole neighbor is the one that calls the cops on her? You know, I had a roommate, a dear friend of mine. We're still friends. She's a a veterinarian now. Um, But when we were at school at Chico, she also fed all the stray cats. And these cats would come by, and it's like pet cemetery. You know, when you're a feral cat living on the mean streets of Chico, you don't keep up your appearance. And these cats were freaky, and she would feed all of them. And she'd take them to get their uh, shots and everything. Like, took these cats in. 
Well, but hey, she's a vet. Right. So that's good. Uh, Lori Lachlan, Massimo Giannulli's daughters have been kicked out of their USC sorority. Eliza, uh, uh, Isabella and Olivia Jade have been removed the, from their sorority. It looks like uh, Kappa Kappa Gamma does not want to be tainted by <laughs> Olivia Jade and Isabella. Trying to distance themselves from the situation as much as possible. Um, Olivia and Isabella are taking things day by day. According to uh, Us Weekly, this has strengthened their bond more than anything possibly could. So I suppose there's, there's that. Their family is is doing well. Um, outside I, of that, mom and dad are going to go to jail. So, Yeah, uh, they face 40 years in, in prison there. I don't know how you explain away writing a $500,000 check to a university and doctoring photos to put your kids on fake row teams and get away with it. But. Blake, any updates on the uh, the trade deadline you want to let us know about? Oh, yeah. No, there was one. Let me see. Where did it go? Yeah, the Phillies acquired outfielder Corey Dickerson from the Pirates. Excellent. All yeah. Right. Big stuff. Uh, we'll do some hot sports takes on the Gary and Shannon show when we come back. Hot sports takes. Big story that uh, we just saw. The Navy has confirmed that an FA-18 went down somewhere near China Lake. Uh, we believe at the Naval Weapons Station up there. Uh, FA-18E Super Hornet. They said it happened at 10 a.m. and that search and rescue efforts are underway. The status of the pilot is unknown. Yeah, I guess the the plane itself was from Naval Air Station Lemoore but crashed north of China Lake, and uh, they are still looking for it. Like you said, condition of pilots unknown. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on this. That, uh, again, just came out. They're looking for an F-18 that went down somewhere north of China Lake. It was stationed at Naval Air Station Lemoore. Uh, before it was crashed. Federal Reserve cut its key interest rate. The chairman saying that he's unable to say how many times the central bank might cut rates. He said it would not be a long series of rate cuts, that this was more about sustaining growth and and not about signaling a a weakened economy. Uh, Debate night two comes on tonight, five o'clock. The countdown clock started immediately after everyone shut up last night on CNN. So we're now at Four hours and 37 minutes or something like that uh, for the 10 other Democratic candidates to take the stage in Detroit. We'll talk more about that when we get to uh, Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour. Hey, I got some great hot sports takes. Touchdown. Super hot. Point shot. Home run. Hat trick. Something from golf. Uppercut. All gas, no brakes. It's time for Gary and Shannon's Hot Sports Takes. Just briefly before we get into the hot sports takes, because we do have some hot sports takes breaking news that Blake will fill us in on. Um, Michael wrote to us on Facebook at Gary and Shannon. He says, how about you guys start a GoFundMe for Gary and his hot tub crew to go to Burning Man? Toss in Ann Carlo and maybe get the trip reimbursed. Things are coming together. Pinch my nipples and look into my eyes. Things are coming together. I don't together. think hot tubs are allowed at Burning Man. Blake, what is our hot Sports MLB deadline Dodger news. The Dodgers just acquired Jed Jerko from the uh, oh, Cardinals. Wow. Uh, he comes off the 60-day IL next week. So uh, right-handed bat. Um, what are we doing about the reliever situation? Um, I'll let you know when mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. <laughs> There's, But uh, they're looking into it. 
currently. Less than 40 minutes left in the trade deadline. Exploring uh, their options. And this one is different than the other years of trade deadlines because there's no other trade deadline. This is really it. The majority of moves that are going to be made are going to be made by today. So speaking of the Dodgers, remember Yasiel Puig? He uh, went to go play with the Reds and the picture that came out of that April 7th game when the Reds took on the Pirates was just epic. People thought it belonged in the Smithsonian, the oh, way yeah. both benches cleared out. Because they're both wearing their super bright, the Pirates wearing bright yellow and the Reds wearing bright red. Right, and Puig's at, at, at the home plate fending off like five or six guys, including uh, so, some umpires and everything. And it, it's really a beautifully shot picture. Well, yesterday, it's the next meetup between the Reds and the Pirates, and it's the eighth inning, and a trade goes through. A trade, I think it was a three-way trade, that sends Yasiel Puig to the Cleveland Indians. Now, usually when that happens, the player in question that has just been traded is yanked out of the game. They sit him. For whatever reason, Yasiel Puig goes back into the field in the ninth inning. That's when tensions heat up between these two teams again, and there's another fight. I don't know if Yasiel Puig was told that he was traded to the Indians or if he didn't know, but he fought for the Reds like he was still a Cincinnati Red. Yeah, I, I don't. The only thing I can imagine is he didn't know because he knew going into that fight the way he did and reigniting it after things look like they calmed down, he's going to be suspended for several days. He probably. Six or seven games at least. Here's the other thing about Yasiel Puig. A lot of people are saying, oh, get yourselves a a ride or die like Yasiel Puig who will still fight for you even though when he's not on your team anymore. I don't think Yasiel Puig can control his emotion. I think he would have fought a crossing guard. You know what I mean? Like I think that he goes from from zero to 100 and there's no pulling him back when he gets emotional like that. Which is fine. The problem is, I just imagine the Cleveland Indians seeing that last night after they make the deal. Okay, we're done. We're good. Okay, here we go. Let's see how he does to finish up this game. And then they see him just, you know, head on fire, rolling towards the Pirates dugout and thinking, oh, God, what did we just do? But if I'm a Cleveland fan and I see that, I'm fired up because there's a bunch of flatliners on the Indians. Sure, but you're not going to see him until the middle of next week at the earliest. Yeah. Even if he does, you know, appeal that decision. Anyway. Fans love that kind of stuff, I think. They love to see passion like that. Um, Do you see the LeBron James video? Yes, and it pissed me off that people were going after LeBron James for getting excited at his kids' AAU game. Or Le- there's, uh, what is it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. AAU. Uh, LeBron James' son, Bronny, uh, is playing and winning. Uh, really? He's good at basketball? Yes, yeah. he's very good at basketball. And LeBron James, like any proud dad, is excited and he's high-fiving the kids and he's just, I mean. He's super into it. And people are upset. They're saying, oh, you know, he's attention-starved and this is a diva behavior. Let the kids play. Give me a break. He's not in the stands calling the kids names or swearing. He is excited for his kid and his kid's team. And I don't think that that should ever be criticized. He's an engaged father. Wait, what, yeah, and there's no criticism. I mean, just to generalize, there are some uh, professional athletes who make babies with women and then leave them, and there are, you know, multiple babies from multiple... We don't criticize them, right? but the moment that LeBron James shows up at his kid's basketball game and is celebratory and celebrating his own child... Yeah. Hey, you ought to put the brakes on your excitement there, Bron. People are such judgy apples. Starting with these two right Mind your here. business. Uh, when we come back, Swamp Watch, we'll get into politics. A little bit more about the debates 
Um, <laughs> I just saw the headline that Pete Buttigieg killed a gnat on his forehead. Yes, last that night? there was like a smudge on his forehead, <laughs> and they said, "What happened?" He said, "I think it was a gnat I killed." Okay, Gary and Shannon, pretty continue. badass, huh? <laughs> oh, really? Taking a gnat? He's taking nothing from that gnat. All right, Blake, you still on that trade desk? Yeah, yeah, Excellent. yeah, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. do you have him? No, it just oh. got a little loud in here. Isabella's freaking out that Tyler was in the hallway. Oh, and she was Isabella, wasn't. how dare you? At least you're uh, more age-appropriate than Monica wow. over here. Wow. I did feel like a predator. Yeah. I, I won't even say anything about it. Okay. <laughs> She's not even continue. making full words in here. Oh, it's just... Her timing was off. He's hot. Jeez. Like a Elvis concert in there. Elvis concert. It's a timely reference. You know, wow. uh, the kids, they get the vapors. Oh, the Beatles? When it comes to you, no, I ain't got no patience. Something about you, girl, I just can't fight. Will you repeat those words? I feel like you ran right through them and I didn't get to enjoy them. When you just said, yeah, I think you're right. Oh. That was nice. Your husband never says that to you? Yeah, he does. Uh, It's pretty rare. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have been following a couple of stories. One that just came in, actually, that we are trying to get some more information on. An F-18 crashed near Naval Air Weapons Station China Lake today. The fighter itself was stationed at uh, Lemur. And they're saying it crashed north of China Lake somewhere. A search and rescue unit from China Lake has been dispatched to try to find the pilot. They don't know the condition as of yet. It's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Well, if you watched the debate last night, it came across that it was kind of a soul-searching mission for the Democratic Party and what they want to focus on moving forward in 2020, whether it's going to be Bernie Sanders, who's a bit of an idealist, uh, Elizabeth Warren, who also has some big ideas that require a lot of money, or some of the moderate Democrats who think that maybe Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's ideas are just too unicorn land like well and it was interesting to see those moderates that you talked about like john delaney and steve bullock out of montana even tim ryan for the moments that he had to speak so they tried to take the opportunity to to rein in uh something of trying to rein in a bit of the socialist wording that elizabeth warren and bernie sanders were using in terms of these wild plans that they talked about and i found it most interesting that John Delaney and Steve Bullock and Tim Ryan, they used words like impossible economics and, and magic economics. And Elizabeth Warren turned around and said, stop using Republican talking points. Yeah. Her, she seemed the most powerful on that stage. Her line that that uh, I think got the most, that had the most impact to it, it wasn't, I didn't think it was necessarily true, but it did have the most impact. You know, I understand why anybody goes to all the trouble of running for president of the United States just to talk about what we really can't do and shouldn't fight for. In the context of of that moment, I understand what she was saying, but she's got to understand that that there are so many people in this country 
who would absolutely not vote for her because of these socialist ideas that she's been pushing and would hold their nose and vote for Donald Trump. That She doesn't understand that. And what John Delaney, Steve Bullock, what these guys are saying is, listen, there's a wide swath of the population out there who does not want to vote for Donald Trump, but we in the Democratic Party are not giving them any options. And that's that was the, the soul-searching that they're looking for. We can't allow them, being the Republicans, we can't allow Republicans to continue to label us as socialists. Yeah, it seemed like there were two lanes that you could pick from last night. It was either the the lane of uh, of I, I want to fight for the ideas that I think is are right and, and and that's and that's what I want to do. Or the other lane is how can we beat the president and let's do whatever it takes to beat the president. And if that means watering down the democratic principles, then let's water them down. Here's what here's what John Delaney said about that. With bad policies like Medicare for all, free everything, and impossible promises that'll turn off independent voters and get Trump reelected impossible promises and i think that was the thing that just kept coming up that they were hammering on the moderates were hammering on bernie and elizabeth for were these plans of literally trillions of dollars without a good calculus on how to pay for that and i don't know how much people are paying attention to that on both sides of the aisle we've talked about this administration spending uh Mm -hmm. and, and how it doesn't make a difference to voters that you're overspending at the and that the federal debt is getting more and more and more. It's a very important thing. We're basically saddling our kids with with all of the spending that's going on now. It's something that people should take into consideration, but they don't. They don't care about it. They don't care about uh, these ideas and how much they care about the ideas, not how much they're going to cost. Because, again, you're talking about the government's money. I think there's a, a, a number of people who still believe that the government is, can just print money. Right. And then complain about their taxes, too, though, yes. at the same time. Because they can't yes. figure out the connection there. There's a connection. And, and, and your kids are going to be taxed to the hilt if we don't get our, our arms around the federal debt and do something about it. There was one moment last night that I stood up from the couch and I replayed for my wife because I don't think it was intentional. You know, of course... What we see on TV is different. What the few hundred people, I think it's maybe a 2,000-seat theater there in Detroit, what they see on the stage. But there was a split screen. Don Lemon's asking John Delaney about his time in the private sector. He has made tens of millions of dollars. I think he said his net worth was over $65 million. And because of that, he would qualify to be taxed under this ridiculously high rate that Elizabeth Warren has been talking about. And there was a split screen with John Delaney and Elizabeth Warren, and she rubbed her hands together like yes. this and said, Ooh, I can't wait to get my money on or my hands on his money. That should make you uncomfortable. Well, I don't know if that's what she meant or if that's how it comes across. I think that she liked that he was being questioned about that because those two were going after each other right. for a while. So I think that she got excited because she wanted to speak to that almost. But it did sound like she it did look like she was like, oh, I can't wait to get our hands on his money and everybody else who who's an over earner in, in the country. Leading up to this, there was a lot of question about whether Bernie Sanders would go after Elizabeth Warren and vice versa, since they're so similar and she has actually been making progress in terms of chipping away at some of his support, would they attack each other? They did not. They were almost holding hands yeah. last night. Yeah. They were sharing talking points. They were backing each other up. And, you know, in one vein, I kind of like that because it's more 
believable than Kamala Harris going after Joe Biden. Yeah. Like, that's not believable. That to me. seems like a much that's more whoring. politically calculated move. Right. When we come back, we'll talk more about that lineup tonight, how that's going to impact what we see tonight. And if there was anything, I mean, I would assume all 10 of the candidates that are going tonight were watching last night, at least to get some ideas about what to go for. Um, the, the one name that I don't think came up last night was Joe Biden. No. So I think he almost wins without even having been on the stage. He almost wins last night's debate because he's the front runner and nobody went after him. Gary and Shannon will continue. To uh, debate night two here in just a second. Uh, Want to update you? The LA City Council approved unanimously yesterday, thirteen to nothing, to reinstate a rule that actually limits the places where people could live in cars and vans and RV. This uh, this rule that's been reinstated would prevent people from sleeping at night in vehicles on residential streets or living anytime in vehicles within a, a block of parks or schools, preschools or daycare facilities. We'll see. How aggressively, if at all, it's uh, endorsed now that it's been reinstated. Also, um, that F-18 that crashed near Naval Air, Wa- uh, Air Weapon Station China Lake was actually stationed at Lemur, crashed somewhere north of China Lake. They have uh, a search and rescue unit from China Lake that's been dispatched to try to find the pilot. No uh, word on the condition yet of the pilot. Well, it is another fun night there in Detroit. What will we see between Kamala Harris and Joe Biden? Joe Biden issuing a warning last week that he is going to go after anyone who attacks him, that he thought that he and Kamala Harris were friends. She was Mm -hmm. great friends with his late son, Bo. He even did her that solid by coming out here to California to speak when she was campaigning for senate so it kind of caught him off guard when she went after him and his uh, civil rights record on busing isn't that part of what we hate about politics though is that people are willing to throw their friends under yeah. the bus for a political gain right which is clearly what she did last last time they met yeah. on the debate stage um i when you look at the lineup for tonight kamala harris and joe biden will be next to each other right smack in the middle of the stage Cory Booker will be on the other side of Joe Biden. He has also gone after uh, the former vice president for his, uh, I guess, it's even weird to say this, but he's gone after Joe Biden for his record on race. Here's the thing with Joe Biden, and one of the arguments he has made is, you know, he was vetted by Barack Obama and Barack Obama's people. If you think he had a shady civil rights record, that would have been uncovered, and that would have been a deal breaker. Yeah, it should have been if that was the case. Uh, no Spanish was spoken last night, which was interesting because they got into the immigration issue. Well, and... Beto was ridiculous in the first debate when he came Oh, up. yeah. It, it was goofy. It was the first answer, his first question given to him, and he answers in Spanish. Uh, Ulian Castro is expected to, and I'm sure we will see some words in Spanish today. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand and Michael Bennett will be on the left side of your TV screen. Uh, and then on the right side, next to Kamala Harris, you've got Andrew Yang, who I guess you could describe as sort of the Marianne Williamson of night two, only that he will, he's the most unpolitical in terms of uh, lack of knowledge of uh, people don't know him in political circles. And 
he's probably not going to get stuck in the uh, wonky policy discussions that the other people are going to get into, only because that's not how he's going to sell. He's not going to stand out by making any of these political wonky discussions. Next to him, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, Jay Inslee, and then Bill de Blasio way on the right side of your TV screen, uh, the tallest man on the stage. Here's the thing with uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. It paid off for her. It did. To, to throw her friend under the bus. See what I well, did there? Yes. It gave... I, see what it, I didn't mean to do that. It did give her the initial bump. I mean, in those yes. first few days after the debate, we saw her numbers tick up significantly, five, six points in some of those polls. But she's kind of slid back down into, you know, normal land the way after it's evened out a little bit. Well, and uh, it has been talked about ad nauseum how important it is for the Democrats to turn out the uh, African-American vote. And like we were talking to John Thomas this morning that people have been going after Kamala Harris and her past as a prosecutor. And, yeah, and, and and that Biden describes himself as the defender of the people, the right. defender of the downtrodden. Well, he's a public defender. I uh, I will be interested to see how that goes tonight. That's going to be the only relationship I think that I have any investment in, in, in terms of watching. Everything else is just, I mean, how many of these people are going to fall by the wayside I, by Monday? That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching this last night is I just started to tune out when a, a white guy would start talking because if your name's not Bernie they were all white guys or Joe night. Biden, you're yeah, but uh, I don't think you're going to be the, the Democratic Party guy. No, especially since the criteria for the debates changes when it comes to the September debate. There isn't one plan for August, but the September debate is different in that you've got to have a certain number of donors. I think it's 130,000 individual donors. And you've got to have a certain number from 30 states or something like that. Okay. So right. that's why that's why people like Tom Steyer, remember he came in after the original debate. Tom Steyer announced that he wants to run for um, uh, run for president. But his his ads now, I mean, he's got a, you know, billions of dollars, but his ads are asking you for a $1 donation because if he he's got to reach that threshold of that many donors no matter how much that you give you've got to have that many names on your list before you can qualify for the debate stage come around in in September plus the polling you've got to poll at 2% or whatever the number they have set in a certain number of polls and they're being very specific so the 20 people that we've seen over these last well that will 10 tonight and 10 last night we're probably looking at Maybe eight, I think, if you use those criteria and if you were to set the debate stage today. Yeah. Uh, they've And those people that are falling by the wayside are – that is a massive uphill climb between now and the deadline to meet those, meet those criteria. Well, I was looking for a moment last night from Beto O'Rourke if he could resuscitate his campaign at all. And again, he looked like the kid who did not study for the test and turned up and was hoping to wing it and just didn't. He got like a D. It's terrible. He also he has – unprepared. He has that Gavin Newsom style of speaking mm-hmm. that is a – I'm better a, than you. It's a weird political thing, political style of speech, and I wish I had a better way of breaking it down other than to say it's a it's a stilted it's, way to speak. It's unhuman. It's it, it, That's it. There's no other – there's no other venue where that style of conversation is acceptable. It comes across pompous to me. Yeah. And it's – and you know what? He's not that intelligent, <laughs> to be honest. 
Um, I love his argument. We, you know, we are going to flip Texas because yeah, I all right. I lost. Right. Right. I mean, you made inroads. I won't say that you didn't, but yeah. you did lose. Yeah. You're not going to carry Texas. You couldn't even carry it into the Senate. So um, also, uh, Cory Booker, that's who I'm kind of looking for tonight to see if he makes any splashes because he's on the last legs of his hopes, too, I think. Yeah. Even though he is standing right next to Joe Biden, don't yeah. let that fool you. He's down in that 1% yeah, area so that's on the danger zone. Weak stream. All right. Uh, when we come back, an update on what's going on in this investigation for the Gilroy Garlic Festival shooting. Some of the things that we have found out about the 19-year-old shooter and his family. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. You can change me. Can you save me? So we are stuck with Jansen, huh? Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. He's going to be the closer no matter what. It didn't matter who they traded. It might have been nice for them to have some competition. Yo, they could have traded be. for Mark Melanson. He went to uh, he went to Atlanta, it looks like. But they weren't, they weren't never going to take Kenley out of the closer spot. They might have had a lefty in there for certain situations, but they would never say, hey, Kenley's not our closer. Hmm. Keeping an eye on several works. big stories today, of course, as we just went through the Democrats, the remaining Democrats hit the debate stage again tonight in Detroit. Also, California going after the president's tax returns, hoping that a California new election law will have some sort of uh, legal path forward to alter the Constitution, because that's what's going to have to happen before those tax returns are released. We've also... Uh watched and haven't seen a whole lot of new information out of the navy but uh, an f-18 went down near naval air weapons station china lake that of course is where the earthquake was centered a few weeks ago that doesn't mean anything other than that's just the location of it the the f-18 itself had been stationed at lemoor and went down this morning a couple of hours ago they've already got a search and rescue um, unit that's on its way out to the area where it was last seen See if they can find any information about the condition of the pilot. We're learning more about that 19-year-old shooter that killed three people at the Gilroy Garlic Festival. They have searched the home in rural Nevada where he has been living for the past couple months, rental unit. They seized a bunch of material. It's in Walker Lake, about 100 miles southeast of Reno, and they took several weapons, accessories, uh, computer hardware. This is about a six-hour drive from Gilroy. Now, as they continue to investigate what led this guy, Santino Legan, to kill a six-year-old boy, a 13-year-old girl, a man in his 20s, dozens more injured, ages from 12 to 69. Um, I'm curious to know... Anything about this guy's mentality? We know that he was in a small private school for the beginning of his high school career, I think uh, freshman, sophomore, junior years, and then transferred to Gilroy High School as the public high school as a senior. A lot of people that have that knew him have spoken to the media and said that he was pretty much uh, a loner, didn't really uh, wasn't really notable in terms of doing anything in school that stood out, and that. That combined with what we know about his family is the one thing that I've clued into in terms of the potential for some sort of a motive for this, or at least a, at least maybe a state of mind. I don't know if an excuse or an explanation is the, is the way to go or to look at why he did this. 
But if he's a 19-year-old kid, recently graduated from high school, who isn't doing anything, and I just mean that he's, he doesn't necessarily, we don't know if he had a job, but everyone else in his family had some amount of notoriety. His grandfather had been a county supervisor. His grandfather even also had an infamous side to him in that he was on trial at one point and acquitted, but on trial of uh, for allegedly molesting his eldest daughter back in the super early 80s. I think he was up for re-election when that trial was going on. His dad was well-known as a as a, a high-level running runner, that he's had a couple of brothers that were also involved in sports, whether it was boxing or running, etc. And this guy didn't, it appeared to not be in same, cut from that same cloth. Yeah, just kind of an outsider, I guess. And his social media does does outline a degree of hatred. Uh, he had xenophobic, racist tendencies, they're saying, as they come through his social media. Uh, former classmates say he didn't stand out, but an employee at Gilroy High School, where he transferred his junior year or maybe senior year, described him as a troublemaker who was difficult to manage when he actually would show up for class. Hmm. On his Instagram account, created shortly before the shooting, a post the day of the attack featured a photo of Smokey the Bear and a sign saying, Fire Danger High Today. And the caption read, Read might is right. Why overcrowd towns and pave more open space to make room for hordes of mestizos? I don't know what that means. And Silicon Valley white. Uh, insert profanity there. Ah, a mestizo, as CNN tells me, is a person of mixed descent, commonly white and Hispanic or white and American Indian. Uh, might is right has been described as a white supremacist text. Promotes anarchy, vilifies Christianity, calls Jesus the true prince of evil, hmm. and Interesting says... twist on that one. Yeah, says the natural order is a world at war in which the strong must vanquish the weak, and white men must rule over those of color. This is one of those times, though, where it appears we don't have a strong grasp on what this guy was trying to do. I mean, that, that post about might is right... We don't know if he read the thing. We don't know if he just knew that this book had a uh, uh, a reputation attached to it, if he was just trying to raise people's consciousness or raise their hackles or whatever. But this, as the FBI agent, the one in charge of the San Francisco office, said, uh, we are no closer to understanding the motive. What happens within the psyche of a 19-year-old kid, I can't speak to that, which is pretty crazy. Um, anyway, this is uh, this is going to continue. And the city of Gilroy now has to deal with the fact that they've got uh, three people that they have to bury. The six-year-old, the 13-year-old, and a 25-year-old young, 25-year-old man. All right, coming back. Uh, we haven't talked about Jeffrey Epstein in the last couple of days, but he was in court today. We'll talk about what that was and why it is that he wanted to seed the human race with his DNA. Sounds disgusting. It is disgusting. Gary and Shannon will continue. Give me the green light. stories we're following today. Federal Reserve cut its key interest rate for the first time in a decade. Maybe some concerns about what trade wars will have on the economy. You're going to keep score on the uh, debate tonight. You're going to need to know who's on that stage. Just write these down for your cocktail napkin, stick it in your pocket, and then pull it out 
as a reference later. Bennett, Gillibrand, Castro, Booker, Biden, Harris, Yang, Gabbard, Inslee, de Blasio. And then uh, we will reconnoiter tomorrow and figure out what's been said and why they didn't really mean what they said. Gruesome twist in the case of the man who assaulted and kidnapped his girlfriend in Monrovia. There's video that uh, surfaced today. It appears to show him rapping in a bar downtown L.A. about killing and burying a woman. And they haven't found her yet. No, they have not. Uh, the Jeffrey Epstein story is uh, doesn't get any better, that's for sure. A um, bunch of writers got together with the New York Times and interviewed some of the people that uh, that knew Jeffrey Epstein. And what's an interesting version of this is that he was running in some very weird circles, truly. Um, they said that there's this fascination with what has become known as transhumanism, the science of improving our population – through genetic uh, engineering, artificial intelligence, things like that. So he was fascinated with this sort of cutting-edge science-slash-pseudoscience. They say it's kind of like eugenics. The idea is to improve the human race through controlled breeding. Yeah. Now, one of the things is... Well, they say that he was a serial illusionist. He was lying about his identities. He was lying about the identities of his clients, about where his money came from, about how much money he had, about his personal achievements. And one of the things that he did was he made himself well-known in a a community of very high-end scientists and thinkers. Well, he had the money, right, to, to fund their pet projects. And he would dangle that financing before their very eyes. And he confided to these scientists that he hoped to use his ranch in New Mexico as a site for seeding the human race with his DNA. Hmm. Scientists would gather at dinner parties at his mansion in Manhattan. They say Dom, expensive wine, would flow freely, even though he did not drink. He would host buffet lunches at Harvard's Program for Evolutionary Dynamics, which he helped start and found with a six and a half million dollar donation. Yeah, he would also do conferences on his private island there. And once all these scientists crowded onto a submarine that he chartered, even astrophysicist Stephen Hawking, um, the the things that he would say to these scientists were weird. And I think the the suggestion that he wanted to impregnate a bunch of women was one of the weirder ones, I suppose. Harvard, Harvard cognitive psychologist Steven Pinker says that he was like an intellectual imposter. He would abruptly change the subject, ADD style, dismiss an observation with an adolescent wisecrack. Yeah, somebody else would say, Jaron Lanier, a prolific author, uh, virtual reality, groundbreaking scientist, he said that Jeffrey Epstein's ideas didn't actually amount to science. They, they didn't lend themselves to any sort of rigorous proof. For example, Jeffrey Epstein once hypothesized, I believe that this was a serious conversation, he hypothesized atoms behave like investors in a marketplace. And some of these people, not all of them, by the way, but some of them kind of took a step back from him once he was uh, convicted in 2008 of 
child sex and had to register as a sex offender. But this idea, this eugenics thing, to go back to this, there were multiple occasions, according to these different scientists, multiple occasions where he would tell these scientists and other businessmen about this ambition to have these women in his ranch in New Mexico. Remember, that's one of the properties that was accused uh, or that that has been searched now by the feds. They would be inseminated with his sperm and would give birth to his babies. Hmm. It was not a secret, this plan. Yeah, and by the way, the New York Times lists like four or five times that he mentioned this plan to these different people. And there was a dinner at his mansion on the uh, Upper East Side in Manhattan where he talked to a scientist who told him that Jeffrey Epstein's goal was to have 20 women at a time impregnated at that ranch, Zorro Ranch, they called it, in that small town outside of Santa Fe. Uh the scientist identified herself as working at NASA, but he didn't remember her name, this uh, scientist that told this to the uh, New York Times. The idea for a baby ranch, uh, supposedly, also had accounts on the repository for germinal choice, which was to be stocked with the sperm of Nobel laureates who wanted to strengthen the human gene pool. Listen to this one. Uh, that virtual reality guy said that he had the impression that Jeffrey Epstein was using these dinner parties where some guests were attractive women with impressive academic credentials to screen candidates to bear the children. What creepy dinner parties. Or he's just sitting there sizing you up to see if your genes are good enough for his genes to get in there and make a baby. It's a lot of genes. Sorry, guys. But- remember, okay, so one of the people that's been caught up in all of this is Alan Dershowitz, right? And Alan Dershowitz has been a defender saying, I never, uh, you know, he has been accused by some of the women who have accused Jeffrey Epstein, uh, has been accused of of having sex with the underage girls as well. Alan Dershowitz recalled a lunch at a time uh, Mr. Epstein hosted in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and he steered the conversation toward the question of how humans could be improved genetically. Now, Alan Dershowitz, uh, as a Jewish fella was quite upset by that because that sounded like the same types of things that the Nazis were saying about genetically, uh, what's the word, genetically manipulating the human race so that we could have a master race Mm -hmm. using uh, eugenics to justify the genocidal effort to purify the Aryan race. And what Alan Dershowitz said... Everyone speculated about whether these scientists were more interested in his views or more interested in his money, which is clearly you're going to be hard pressed to find a bunch of people who say, oh, yeah, sign me up for the eugenics. Let's kill all the less thans so that we can uh, propagate a better species. How gross is it, too, that these scientists would uh, keep would have an audience with him, that they would hang around him because he had the money to fund their pet projects? Like how many dirty ass rich people do you have to befriend so you can get money for your project? That's legit. And by the way, and some of these guys, I mentioned the one who kind of took a step back after the 2008 conviction. Some of these people didn't care. Some of these people still went to these luncheons, still held court with this guy, even after he had to register as a sex offender for having, uh, for raping girls. Coming up next, this is exciting. Justin Worsham's going to join us, host of the Dad Podcast. Who? 
Justin Worsham, our friend. Remember, remember uh, one time when we went to go see Justin do his stand-up routine and you stormed the stage? Mm, rings a bell. That Justin Worsham. Do we have any baseball news, Blake, we the trade deadline? We got two of them. Okay, go on. The uh, Cubs acquired outfielder Nicholas Castellanos from the Tigers. Okay. And... The Astros acquired Zach Greinke from the D-backs. Whoa. The Astros. Whoa. Wow. Astros made some moves Whoa. today. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, Justin, when we come back, we'll talk about smart diapers. Because no. you need something hmm. to tell you when a diaper is dirty. <sighs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Just for kids? Despacito. Round two, night two. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker are going to be center stage tonight in Detroit for the second round of the Democratic debates. See how that goes. Starts at about 5 o'clock tonight. Um, and then I think it's going to be a lot of what we saw last night, but we'll uh, we'll judge that tomorrow. Of course, we'll come back together and figure this all out. Puerto Rico's mess politically has gotten worse. The outgoing governor and legislators are fighting over who should be the next leader. Massive protests continue. F-18 went down near Naval Air Weapon Station China Lake this morning. They have dispatched a search and rescue unit from China Lake to find the pilot. No word on the condition. And we have uh, the trade deadline was 35 minutes ago. Blake, any other uh, trades bubbling up in the baseball world? Yeah, I just heard that the uh, Dodgers got left-handed relief pitcher Adam Kolarik from the Rays. I don't really know who he is, but he's only allowed five earned runs in his last uh, 17 innings. I'll take it. So he has, you know, left-handed, got some talent. I thought the deadline was at 1 o'clock. It It is. It just takes a little while. Blake, I wanted you to have that first. It just came out. Because, well, they give people extensions and stuff if they have something in the works. But Still on the phone. Sorry, I failed you. That's all right. (laughs) Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, is here. Well, it's been a while. Still a dad. Yeah, so far. Still a dad. So I got to I know it's this. uh, We got topics to talk to, but I'm wrestling a lot with this idea. I think I've mentioned it before. I'm working a lot and the kids are older and it's hard, man. I feel like there's this weird part where I feel like I'm almost being neglectful to them. Do you remember when your kids were hitting that like double digit when they started getting double digit years and Mm -hmm. you weren't like you didn't necessarily have to be up in their face all the time? Is that or yeah? I mean, in the, there. Listen, uh, I'm in the middle of it right now as well. Yeah. I walked into my daughter's room last night, realized that she had watched about four hours of Grey's Anatomy on Netflix, <laughs> and I said, "How are you doing?" She said, "Thriving." <laughs> <laughs> you, so you don't need me? She's no, like, no, no. I'm good. Yeah, I just need you to pay for the Wi-Fi. Keep that thing running. <laughs> Keep that 13.99 a flowing pot pipeline open. Well, in her defense, she does want to be a doctor. So well, it's kind of like studying. Oh, I wish everybody Shannon could see never, Gary's face. I wish. Never babysitting. <laughs> Guys, for those of you listening in your homes or cars or on your earbuds, Gary did a slow burn take to me. I'm a glare. It was very satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could make a gif of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and there are different stages of that. You don't fight it too hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. My, my dad was never, ever, like, even when I was much younger than my kids. And I, my dad and I, I've said it multiple times when we do these, I'm very close with my dad. We're very friendly. I feel very grateful for everything he passed on to me. So it's good. But, and it's funny that we bring, the, I'm feeling this because there's this new thing coming out where that Pampers is rolling out. It's the Lumi system. 
and it is an app with a little uh, that works with a diaper, so it notifies you via your phone. That's so sucked. sad. That is right? so sad that we have to look at our phones to know what our child needs if they're just at the stage of change my diaper. Yeah, and I. God, that's pathetic. But do we? Here's the thing. Maybe do, be in the same room as your kid and smell it. Wow. <laughs> Like, are we that that addicted to our phones? That's sad. That should be like the subtitle of your uh, of your podcast, the dad podcast. Your kid and and smell smell it. It referring to the kid, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's not gender. I don't know what that child identifies as. That's a good point by you. That's a whole wow. There's landmines. Um, (laughs) I yeah, and I don't know. Like, I'm a tech guy. I like gadgets. You know what I mean? I think they're fun. And I, but I do think that the, that everybody gets a little like, oh, it's going to create a disconnect between your kid because you're not going to pay attention. I think really, if I was to, you know, categorize this in my opinion, this is just like a first world issue, right? Like where you're coming yes. up with a way. Because yeah. here's the other part of it. It's I embarrassing. Tried, I tried like crazy to find out how much this thing is going to cost. Like I looked all there. It's like whoever Elon Musk is at Pap- Pampers is who's rolling this thing out. Like. You could sign up to be on a wait list, like oh, it's a Tesla. Right, okay. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, they're just kind of, they're talking it out about it. They're I, testing the waters and to I w- see. My fear is, is that I'm the victim of some marketing campaign to bring Pampers <laughs> to back to top of mind. That's my fear. It's possible. But they have a whole, like, there's 24, I love that they qualify it as 24-7 video monitoring for an infant. What? <laughs> is the kid... Like, is it a zoo camera? Yeah. Like, I don't, I feel like. It's like April the giraffe. You're <laughs> watching that thing all day, every day. Yeah. You can't be bothered with the normal stuff. Here's, okay. I was a dad. I am a dad. Wait, what? Uh, the diaper thing, as weird as it is, and it's an odd, like, it's an odd, uh, I don't know, gamut that you have to pass through, some sort of. Uh, Gauntlet is the word I'm looking for that you yeah. have to you have to pass through and complete the task before you can move on to the next stage of parenthood. If you're not urinated or shapoopied upon at some point well put. in your in your life as a parent, you don't. I I think you don't qualify as a full parent at that point. I agree. You have to have been uh, the recipient of a poorly timed mm-hmm. bodily function. Yeah. Yeah, my wife and I, that was the only way that we found joy when each of our sons right. were infants was keeping score as who got urinated on the most. Oh, God. I won both generations of children, both of them. Look she at- had double-digit scores. It's like, come on. You remove the diaper yeah. and you see if the staff is at you know full mass, right. then you go, nope, got to cover it Warning. up. Warning. Warning. That is... That is, you know, the, the battleship cannons getting into position. you got to cover that back up and let them finish. I'd like to thank you both for your service <laughs> in continuing to populate the world because no thank you. So that you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is one of those terrifying things. I don't – I hate this idea I, because I am one who says there needs to be less of a wedge between parents and their right. kids, especially at that age. Less of a right. Less. We need less baby monitors. We need fewer cameras. We need. Listen, cameras are funny. Like if you find the first time that your kid jumps out of the crib and walks across the room and cracks his brother on the face with a toy, and then climbs back in the crib like nothing happened, that's hilarious. But the idea that you're relying on a camera to be the eyes, I suppose, that, that are keeping an eye on your kids. 
That's terrifying. Yeah, I don't even like cameras as baby monitors. I feel like I don't either. Yeah. I think it's too. It's weird. I I just was very against it. I'm like, I just need to know sounds because if you're I, gonna do it, do do it. Like, if you're gonna have kids, uh-huh. be there. <laughs> you know, don't rely on cameras sense. on your damn phone yeah, to tell you when your kid's it. diapers <laughs> dirty. Get your nose in there. If I was to play devil's advocate, the only thing I could think of, and uh, hopefully this amuses you, I'm sure you've seen this, uh, Shannon, and I hope you maybe have not done this, Gary, but I feel like we all have, is that this is really just the first line of defense of some kind of ignoramus part of the parental brain that feels like the only way you could find out if your kid shapoopied is to get all up in the mix. Like, you got to get... You have to have pressure on your nose, yeah. like a like a pug nosed dog. You got to get up in there and take a full inhalation. Like you you get in there like a hound dog searching for a fugitive mm-hmm. for some unknown reason, mm-hmm. and that maybe it's like I don't have to do that because my phone told me my kid made a shapoopy. I don't know if you noticed, but I really like your phrase shapoopy. I'm using it a lot. <laughs> I'm so. Do you want to play him the song when we come back? I could. If you want to? <laughs> I love the song. I'm a big fan. Okay. Shapoopy. Shapoopy. All right. Uh, how did our earliest extinct ancestors parent? And what can we learn from that? I A bet lot. they didn't. What was the baby monitor like back then? Ooh. Was it just an ear? <laughs> Probably, no, I think right? it was like a toucan or something that was in a box that would alert you, like the Flintstones. That's what I would <laughs> That get. makes sense. Carrier pigeon? There you go. Carrier yeah. pigeon from one side of the cave to the other. <laughs> Gary and Shannon with Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast. John and Ken coming up next. Of course, they'll uh, give you their feedback from last night's uh, night one of the Democratic debates in Detroit. Night two is tonight, starting at 5 o'clock. Side note to last night's debate, Marianne Williamson, who was the least wonky in terms of the policy discussions last night, she was actually the most searched for candidate during the debate last night, according to Google Trends, in 49 of the 50 states. Marianne Williamson was. In the one state that she wasn't, they looked up Steve Bullock. That was the state of Montana, the state that he happens to be the governor of. And they didn't, I don't know if they didn't know who he was or if they were just checking to see, wait, that guy's our governor? It didn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, And then the other story, at least in California here, they an F-18 that was stationed at Lemoore went down somewhere near China Lake. Uh, near the Naval Air Weapon Station at China Lake that said it crashed several hours ago. They hadn't heard a word one way or the other on the condition of the pilot, but they do have a a search and rescue unit from China Lake to uh, dispatch to find the pilot. Ben Carson has come to the president's aid over this whole Baltimore gate issue. He spent decades in Baltimore as a neurosurgeon, and he told reporters today that uh, Baltimore... uh, Despite progress in recent years, there are problems that we can't sweep them under the rug, he said. Justin Warsham, host of the Dad Podcast, has joined us. You can find, of course, the Dad Podcast, thedadpodcast.com, but also on the iHeartRadio app as well. Um, let's talk about early parenting. Early, and I don't mean early, early like, like, like extinct ancestors. Few weeks old, yeah. Oh, well like, done. Like, how did the dinosaurs Australopithecus do Africanus. I'm so glad you said it first, because I was afraid I was going to butcher it. Is it Australopithecus Africanus? Is that right? It's the way I say it. It's the way my wife says it. <laughs> This I think this is great. There, this is all new information, right? So what they did was they threw like fossils and stuff. They on a microscopic level. I'm going to get a little dental knowledge dropped on you too. Mm. So the enamel on your teeth grows much like a tree in like layers. 
So what they were able to do is like on a microscopic microscopic level go through and they could see if there was a layer of something different. And they found through that and analyzing all the samples that Australopithecus africanus mm-hmm. mothers yeah. would supplement their baby's diet with breast milk in like during their first year. Okay. So, and this is why I think it's interesting is because there is kind of a divide. There's there's parents who don't think this is a good thing. Like you you want the attachment parents, right? You could also call them helicopter parents, I guess sort of, but in the infant stage, there's a lot of parents who like to, you know, sleep with the baby, let the baby roll over and nurse because it's convenient and then they like the the proximity. They feel like that makes the baby feel more secure. Uh, and they'll sometimes moms will choose to breastfeed kids well until they're like four or five years old, sometimes even older, because it's about that connection and attachment and that the baby decides or the child decides at that age when they're ready to wean and go off. But what this found is that uh, Australopithecus africanus, yeah. I'm very good at this now, <laughs> that, they, that they would, uh, when food was scarce... In this part of South Africa that they were living in during, a, it's, I think it's like the, an ice age, right? That when food was scarce, the mothers would use breast milk to supplement. But after a year, that stopped. That the babies were basically eating solid food all the time. And the, to me, the reason why I think this is so fascinating is because un, no, not knowing a thing about this research mm-hmm. and this parenting being like millions of years old is that the American Academy of Pediatrics, their current stance on breastfeeding is that you breastfeed for the first year and you supplement with solid foods after about five or six months of age. Uh, Shannon has a story about somebody who was uh, breastfeeding way too late. Didn't yeah, you? Was a- I, I was just sharing this story with Morgan earlier. Um, one of my girlfriends, she has a real problem. It's a, it's a pretty uh, frequent rant about people who breastfeed for too long. Oh. And... Uh, I think she had engaged in this rant this weekend that we were all up in, in Denver. And we went to have lunch at a place. You know how Denver is, pretty hippie. like Yeah, lots of granola. And we're having lunch. <laughs> you know, it's the middle of the day. And uh, there's a woman with her uh, two little kids at the table next to us. And she whips out her breast. And she gives it to a child who looked to be about three. Or a very big two-year-old. <laughs> and... Uh, we're eating our burgers or whatever, and I look across and I catch my friend's eye, and she sees what's happening, and a single tear rolls down her cheek. Now, was that because she was trying to suppress laughter, or because or she horror. was really sad horror, horror, for that child? Laughter and listen, sadness. Everybody's got their thing. Everybody's yeah. got a weird thing. If Everybody... your kid's asking for it, it's probably yeah. too old. Yeah, like That's, if they could verbalize. Right. Oh, and I got people in my family that were along those lines of, hey, three-year-old, three-year-olds just are, well, I'm, it was appropriate for her. Do we need to take this out in post? I feel like we should, yeah. <laughs> she felt it was appropriate take for three-year-old to breastfeed. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an issue yeah. because it's still supplemental. Like, And we were talking about the attachment, the, yeah. the physical, emotional attachment of it that it needed to continue as well. Uh, there was a reason why the the child needed it is what she believed, and therefore she was never going to stop it. They were just going to let the kid make their own decision. The party lines on this are very, very thick and drawn with a lot of aggression, I found, in that I'm of the mindset that I feel like it's better to wean 
mm-hmm. I believe in my mind that the reason I think that is because I'm always just about growth, period. Like, I'm always on my kids like, okay, now you're this age. we got to move past this because I feel like I have a finite amount of time with them in my house, and I have to get them ready to not be in my house where they will spend the majority of their life. Right. That's my whole goal, right? So I just don't see the point in doing something that, to me, is infantile for a longer period of time because it's just delaying the growth that they need to get ready and get out and move on. Your oldest is now 11. 11. 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, does he pay a rent at all, or is it like a subsidized lease, or how do you... How do you... That'll start once he turns 13, because that's when he can get a checking account, and then, then he'll... Nice. Until then, I'm just... It's more of just a credit system, like he's got a like an account in an old general store in the Old West, right. where he gets his licorice drops. And he he, he comes in, and he picks up a bag of flour, and... <laughs> And there's a little bell that rings whenever he comes in this kitchen. Yeah, yeah. he's Can got just... a side business where he brings in pelts of uh, you know urban animals to trade. <laughs> Can I just do a quick postscript? Yeah. Listen, if you want to breastfeed your kid until no, they're five or six, that's fine. It's not my it's business. Not no, the tweets are already coming. It's not yeah. my business. It's not fine. You do you. You tell your truth. All right, Justin, thank you, as always. You're welcome. Uh, host of the Dad Podcast again. You can I can't find believe it you wouldn't want me to clean that up. You're the one that gets the email. At thedadpodcast.com. I'll just forward them to you. No, I don't know sure. I don't have Show breasts. at thedadpodcast.com. Uh, the dad Breastfeeding podca- till they're five is wrong. Or- Show at thedadpodcast.com. <laughs> Send them all my way. Uh, John welcome, and Ken up next. It. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. So this is over. Yes. Gary and Shannon. And it's not something to clap about. It's sad.